Bibles out and turn back to Ephesians chapter 4. And then we're going to go back to Nehemiah chapter 4. So Ephesians 4 and then back to Nehemiah chapter number 4. Ephesians 4 contains our theme verse. Sunday was our Vision Sunday where we explained and shared our heart on the theme for our church in the new year. And the bullseye as we're calling it that God would have us to aim toward. And that verse is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. The reason I'm reading that is here in the early days after Vision Sunday, many of the messages, we're going to point right back to this verse. And I want you to have it in your memory as best as possible. But until then, we're going to read it together and then we'll go into the message. Ephesians 4, 16, our theme verse for this year, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now turn to Nehemiah chapter number 4, and we'll apply these two together in just a moment. Nehemiah chapter number 4, look down if you will to verse number 6. We know the story of Nehemiah very well. I figure on Wednesday night crowd, we won't have to give a, a great history lesson. Nehemiah is the book of revival and restoration, if you will, of the walls at Jerusalem. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse number 6 shows us the heart of the people that I hope we will take example to tonight in the work that God's called us to here. Nehemiah 4 6, the Bible says, so built we the wall and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. Now let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray you'd bless it, help us to apply it in the way that you would see fit. Pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, would speak clearly to our hearts. Help us respond in a way pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The last, I'm going to guess, three or four months, our theme of every part, making, maketh increase, has been etched upon my mind and etched upon my heart. And I'm excited about what I believe God wants to do in the last few days, speaking with some of our members ever since Sunday. I, I told our Sunday school teacher meeting earlier, I said, I'm very confident that our people have an idea and a good understanding of what God would have us to do in the new year to where we as a church body, the body that God has called to reach this world and to do the job uh, that he has given us and laid upon our hearts and commanded us to do, I believe we as a church body are more than capable of doing that. But it's going to take every part coming together to make increase. And we see in Ephesians chapter 4, he describes the body of Christ just as that, as a body and how every part works together to edify the whole of the body. And we see this picture in Nehemiah 4. Nehemiah 4, he would go on to say that this was a great work and God was doing something great in Jerusalem through these people. Remember Sunday morning we said we're not going to pray that God would do something for us and hold our hands out asking for a freebie. We're going to ask that God would do something through us. And we see the great work in Nehemiah chapter number 4 is a work that God is doing a work through this people. Now, if you've read Nehemiah, which I hope you've read the book of Nehemiah, if you've read the book of Nehemiah, it's hard not to read it without hearing hammers and working going on in the background. When you read Nehemiah chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4, you have this huge list of people that are coming together for a common purpose to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And as I read the book of Nehemiah, I can't help but think about our church and what I believe that God could do through this church in the new year if every part made increase, if each person took upon the role that God's called them to this place to fulfill. 
As I was reading Nehemiah 3 and 4 this week, I want you to turn to chapter 3. We'll look at something uh, that will kind of lead into the message tonight. And I'm not going to preach at, at you. I've been using that term a lot lately. Sunday morning we share the vision. I really want to on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights to lay out the exact how-tos of what we're going to do what God's called us to do. Nehemiah chapter number 3, we're going to skip through here right quickly. Look at verse 1. Nehemiah in chapter 2 gives his burden and his vision of what God wants him to do, what God's called them to do. And right after Nehemiah shares his burden, we see what happens in verse 3. Watch the first word, then. As soon as he gave the vision, the Bible says, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. As you go on to read Nehemiah chapter number 3, you'll find tons and tons of names. Look at verse number 2. And next unto him, builded men of Jericho. Verse 3, but the fish gate did the sons of Hasena build. Verse 4, and next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Urijah. And you keep reading on and on and on. You find different people that took a different part of the wall to rebuild. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what I believe God's called us to do in the new year? That every part would make increase. That every part would find their part in the one purpose of the will of God and what he's called us here to do. Now, here's what I noticed that I have never seen before. In chapter number three, watch this wording, if you will. The Bible says, and they builded the sheep gate. Verse number two, the Bible says, and next unto him builded the men of, of Jericho. Verse number three, but the fish gate did the sons of Hasena build. And you see build, build, build. And then after verse number three, the majority of the times you see the word repair. It's really interesting. You'll do a word count. You'll find that the word build is mentioned seven times in Nehemiah. The word build is. But the word repair is mentioned 27 times. It's amazing how some things will jump out to you that maybe you've never quite noticed before. But the word build means to start from scratch. Total new, brand new, new construction, if you will. But the word repair means you're reusing something that was once in use and is out of use and now has to be put back into use. It's amazing. Never noticed that quite before. What was neat was when you do the numbers, basically over three quarters of the time that the work that was described that the people did in Jerusalem, over three quarters of the time the word repair was used. Meaning the pieces that would be used were pieces that were once originally part of the work, but were no longer part of the work, that instead of being engaged, needed to be re-engaged. And I thought about that today. I was trying to do some numbers over the years of ministry that I've been in and trying to decide what the percentages is. And, you know, I believe probably that same stat works in the church today. Probably over three-quarters of our church today, and I'm talking about the church in general in America today, three-quarters of the church today are people who were once involved and once in use to the service of God and the purpose, and they have fallen out of it. And now the goal is not just to be engaged, that's our theme for the new year, that we all be engaged, but I believe some of us need to be re-engaged. Some of us were a part of the work, and some of us were serving our purpose, but something happened. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 1, it describes what happened in verse number 3. The Bible says the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. I think that describes many of our works today. We were actively participating and a part of the great work of what God was doing, but somewhere along the line, our work just broke down. 
And so as we look at the theme of being engaged where every part maketh increase, where every person is involved and participating in the work of God, I believe for many of us being engaged really means getting re-engaged. So let's look at this tonight if we could. Nehemiah shows us what was required to restore the pieces back into service. Now, I want you to think about how the walls were made out of stone, okay? The gates were made out of wood, and certain other areas and doors were made out of wood, but the wall itself was made out of stone. And so when the city was leveled and ransacked, the stone was not destroyed. The material was still there. It just needs to be restored into its rightful place of service. And I believe oftentimes that's what happens to us. We can all probably look back in our lives and find a time that you were actively part of the work of God. You were actively participating. You were part of that wall, and then something happened. Something happened to knock you out of your service. Something happened to knock you down, and rather being engaged tonight, I believe you need to be re-engaged. What's interesting is I've talked to several of our people this week. It's very exciting as a pastor to see folks who you believe understand the theme, the direction for the new year. I've had several people come up to me and says, I want to be engaged. I want to be engaged. I says, well, aren't you already married? No, I don't really tell them that. They said, I want to be engaged in the work of God. I want to make increase. I want to be actively part of the work of God here at Central Baptist Church. Hey, I want to be a part of what God's doing. And that's exciting for me as a pastor. But sometimes that means getting re-engaged. But Nehemiah shows, I'm going to give you two points tonight. You ought to be excited. I'm only giving you two points tonight. How about a big hearty amen? There we go. Only two points. I'm, look, I love you. I really do. And I, I don't want you to be home too late. But if I give you two, you better get the two, okay? Or we're going back to three next Wednesday night if we could. So tonight we're going to look at this simple thought. And I'm going to do my best to take it slow and just walk you through this a little bit on how to be re-engaged to make increase. How to be re-engaged. The word repair is mentioned 27 times. That means taking what once was a part of the work of God and getting it back into the wall. So two things we're going to look at tonight. Turn back to chapter 4, and let's jump into this if we could. We're going to see the first step in verse number 2. I'll read verse number 1, but the step is in verse number 2. The Bible says, but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we had builded the wall, Sanballat is the enemy, him and Geshem and Tobiah, that's the enemy, that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Could I just throw a freebie in right quick? When God begins to work, as we begin to build, as we begin to grow, you better be fully expected to encounter resistance. The devil cannot afford for this church to be engaged. He cannot afford that. Can I tell you something, dads? Look, dads, husbands, as you lead your home and you lead your home to be engaged where every part may give increase and you say, I'm going to lead my home that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and Central Baptist Church in 2020. Listen, dads, husbands, be expected as the leader of your home, you will encounter resistance. It's always going to happen. By the way, Somebody told me one time, if you're getting kicked in the rear end, it probably means you're out front. Think about that. Some of you are going to do the geography on that. Yeah. If the devil's kicking us, it probably means we're out front, and he's got to slow us down. So be expecting of that. Don't be shocked when you find resistance as you seek to build and be engaged in the will of God. But watch verse 2. That was a freebie. And he spake before his brethren, this is the enemy, and the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews 
Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Now watch what he says next. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? Number one tonight, if you're going to get re-engaged, you say, well, you know, I used to be a part of the wall. I used to be a part of the work of God. I used to be a part of what God was doing, but something knocked me out. I'm no longer working. I'm kind of broken down. How do I get re-engaged? Number one, it begins with a reviving of the potential from the rubbish. It begins with a reviving of the potential from the rubbish. Now stick with me and you'll get this. I want you to get a picture of a wall that's broken down. The great big stone blocks have been knocked down and they're just a big pile of rubble. But what that big pile of rubble is, it's a wall. It's just out of shape at the moment. And intermingled between the the stones that are there, there's pieces of wood from the gates. And the Bible just says rubbish or ash or dirt. It's just kind of mounded all together. But inside that mound of rubbish, there is pieces that can be worked with. But those pieces are going to have to do what verse 2 says, be revived out of the rubbish. You see, those stones have great potential. Those stones can be used, but watch close. The stones are buried. The potential is buried in the unprofitable. Do you see that? The stones, the potential of what could be is buried in a bunch of things that are unprofitable and can't be used. And the only way those stones can be re-engaged back into the work, watch close, is the potential has to be separated from the unprofitable. It's buried there. Can I tell you why so many Christians get out of the wall? Can I tell you why so many Christians get disengaged, get out of the work? They're no longer part of what was there, what could be useful. Here's what happens. Watch, their potential gets buried in the unprofitable. I see it happen all the time, Uh, especially in young couples. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I first started pastoring, I was so excited because I went from youth pastor to pastor. I said, this is going to be great because teenagers, it's just so hard to nail down. They got all these things going on in their life, and I can't wait to work with a mature group of young adults and adults who have their priorities nailed down exactly where they need to be. It wasn't long. I realized, you know, that, that adults are just taller teenagers and fatter teenagers. That's all they were. They didn't have their ducks in a row either. And I saw, watch this, the reason they were not engaged in the work of God, the reason they could not be a part of what God was doing to the church, look, I think serving God is the greatest thing on the planet. By the way, could I, you say, well, yeah, you get paid to do that. Can I tell you, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world before I ever got paid to do it. I look, I thought serving God was the greatest thing on planet Earth when I was riding a garbage truck after the service on Wednesday night in Monroe, Louisiana. It's the greatest thing in the world. And I thought everybody else would think the same thing. And isn't this great we get to serve God and you have an event and nobody shows up? Think, where are you at, man? We get to be a part of this. We get to go door knocking and share Christ with people. Or, hey, we get to go out and encourage some people in a nursing home. Isn't that wonderful? Look at the potential that the church has, but the potential didn't show up. Do you know why? Because they were buried in the unprofitable. All these other things of life have buried them. And the only way that they're going to reach their potential and be engaged in the work of God is you're going to have to revive the stones and separate the potential out of the unprofitable. 
Now, folks, this is tough sometimes. But I believe our only hope for our church to reach the will of God and fulfill the will of God is we've got to separate what we could do for the cause of Christ to what we could do that the world has to offer. I'm going to tell you, sometimes that's tough, isn't it? So many things that we get caught up in that we can't be engaged. I'd be honest with you, I think God would probably call them rubbish. God would call them rubbish. Notice what the Bible uses, the word in verse 2. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? I believe the number one reason tonight that engaged Christians become disengaged Christians and need to become re-engaged Christians is because all of their Christian potential gets buried in the unprofitable things of this life. Our focus gets off. Say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'll give you a perfect example. Matthew chapter 13, the Bible gives us the parable of the sower. Do you remember the seed, the Bible says, that fell among thorns? All right, listen close. It, you know, I know I say this a lot, but it's almost like the same person wrote every book in this Bible. It's just weird how it all works together. The Bible says in Matthew 13, verse 22, that the seed that fell among thorns, it says, was those that hear the word. Hear the word. Can I tell you what a seed is? A seed is potential. Think about it. Man, the word of God was preached. That seed went in my heart. That was, hey, that's where I got saved from. It brought forth fruit. That was my salvation. And then after you get saved, you hear the preaching of the word of God. And that preaching takes root and produces fruit in your life. All oh, the potential that's there in us. A little bit old seed. But what does it say in Matthew 13, verse 22? The Bible says that seed that was sowed among thorns is those that hear the word. But listen close. The cares of this life. The deceitfulness of riches. What does the Bible says it does with that seed? The Bible says it chokes it. That becomes unfruitful. What happened? What happened to all the potential of the seed that was there? I'll tell you what happened. Listen, that seed that had all the potential to produce all of that fruit got buried underneath the unprofitable weeds and thorns, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches. It chokes out the potential that was there. I think one of the number one reasons I have found people do not have the liberty to serve God. Get ready. It's not a spiritual reason. Debt. Debt. What do they say? We go buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even know and so on and so forth. That's about the truth of it. Find people to ask them, you know, why can't you be faithful to church? Why can't you come to the outreach? Hey, why don't you have time for the things of God? Well, I got to pay for this and I got to pay for this and I got to pay for this. All the cares of this life, the unprofitable things, the things, listen, unprofitable are things you can't take with you. They're not going to matter one day. Unprofitable are things that are not going to be gained when we stand up there. Now, look, there's some unprofitable necessities in life. There's going to be a certain level of unprofitable things we just have to live with. We do have to pay bills. We do have to go to work. But you better be careful not to let the unprofitable things tip the scale and begin to bury the potential that is there. Number one, if you're going to get re-engaged, you've got to revive your potential out of the rubbish. I like what Mark says about the same parable in Mark chapter 4. Listen to what he says. The Bible says the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and he adds one more. Listen to what he says. The lust for other things. The lust for other things. And what are you getting at? The other things that I've got to have that I think that I need, those other things. How often do we pursue the other things that are not going to be profitable? And in the end, all of our potential gets buried. The Bible says in verse 2, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish? You see, even the enemy knew. 
Even the enemy knew the only way that they can rebuild the wall and the great work that God desired to do, the only hope was for them to revive the stones. That means they're going to have to separate what is unprofitable from what is profitable. And I'll tell you, that's why we don't see much being done in the cause of Christ. We haven't learned to separate those things. I'll give you a perfect example, and I'll tell them myself just for a moment. Yesterday was kind of a happy day around here. I'll let you figure out why. Because Monday night was kind of a happy night around here. I'll let you figure out why. Yesterday morning I get up, I'm so excited. I go to Academy Sports to get me a pennant, you know, national champions and all that. And, and I went by Krispy Kreme. I thought our kids needed to celebrate in that too. So I went by and uh, bought championship rings for all the kids, Krispy Kreme donuts. And we purple and gold and oh man, I'm just excited. I made a, look, LSU made a lot of fans yesterday when you went to the cafeteria passing out championship rings to everybody. I made them say go Tigers before I gave them one. And uh, they did. Some of you mom and dad would be sick, but they did all for a donut. That just shows you how cheap our children are, all right? We got to work on peer pressure around here. And, uh, man, I just having a good old time. And, look, I ran out of donuts. I forgot I missed some people. Boop, get back in the car. Went back to Krispy Kreme. Walk into Krispy Kreme. She said, what you doing here? I said, I need more championship rings. And so went back up and down the hall, passing out some more. Next thing you know, I looked up. It was after 12 o'clock. And I had gotten zero done on my schedule for the day. Y'all can tell them to dock my pay. Just go ahead and tell them to take it off there. I didn't get anything done before lunch. As exciting as it was and interesting as it was, I realized, watch this, I had let something that was unprofitable rob me of the potential of the first part of my day. You know you got to be careful. If you're not careful, the unprofitable things of this life will bury your potential. And when you could have been a part of a work of God and God could have been doing something in your life, all of your potential is now buried under the rubbish of the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things. You know, the Bible teaches us a very important lesson Paul does about being content. God, godliness with contentment is great gain. Hey, why don't we be content with what God has given us? He's a loving Father. He's provided more than we'll ever need. And let's be content with that. And therefore, we have the freedom to reach our full potential in the work of God. So number one, let's revive the potential from the rubbish. I was preaching to the teenagers today. I didn't really preach to you guys, did I? I just, we had a Bible study. We'll call it that. I didn't even holler. didn't raise my voice. I don't even think I made a mean look in the whole, the whole message. We're talking about Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 1. I was trying to encourage them at this time in their life, keep their focus on things that matter. Keep your focus on things that matter. Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. What is he saying? Focus on what matters. Focus on what matters right now. Keep your focus on God. Later you're going to get busy. I told them you're going to have bills. They're going to have land taxes one day. They're going to have to pay for all this other stuff that the government is giving away for everybody else in the world. They're going, to, they're going to be busy. And they're going to have the time that they have right now. You see, separating the unprofitable from the potential means separating what matters from what don't. And so often in our lives, what gets priority is the things that don't matter. Let me give you a startling statistic. Every year in America, 38 children die from being left in the back seat of a hot car. 38 children every year die in America from being left in the back seat of a hot car. 
It just it, it boggles my brain that they're even giving advice that when you get in the car, you take your cell phone and put it in the back seat so that you remember to get your child. Now look, I'm, you got to do what you got to do, I guess, but it seems like you just naturally remember your child. You say, well, why are those children dying? I'll tell you exactly why. Something else has their attention. Something else has their attention. And I'll promise you, compared to the life of their child, I don't know and I don't care what it is, compared to the life of their child, that thing that robbed them of their attention is unprofitable. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a job. No matter what it is. Hey, that's unprofitable if it's costing you the life of your child. And this is the place we've got to get to in our walk with God. If it's costing us our God-given potential and the opportunity to serve God fully and be a brick in God's wall, hey, it's unprofitable. And I promise you, God will provide a way that we can serve him fully if we'll just honor him and be content with the things that we have. We can see this as entered the church, the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation. They says, we're rich, we're increased with goods and have need of nothing. And Jesus looks down and he says, you're poor and wretched and miserable. What happened? Well, the church at Laodicea had got their focus on what didn't matter. The, the, the goods and being rich and increased in goods, that had taken priority in their life. And he says, you've neglected what really mattered. Now, folks, if we're going to be used of God, we've got to be engaged. Some of us, look, we need to be re-engaged. And being re-engaged means being reviving our potential out of the rubbish. So I want to ask you this before I give you the second and last reminder point. What is your rubbish tonight? What is your rubbish? What is it that your potential is buried in? Look at verse 2. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? What is it tonight? What is it tonight that your potential for God to be a part of what God wants to do, to be engaged where you could make increase as part of this body of Christ, what is the rubbish tonight that is burying your potential? This is the same question that Paul was asking the church of Galatia in chapter 5 and verse 7. What did he say? Watch this. Once again, same person wrote this. Ye did run well. Did is past tense. You were doing good. You were making increase. You were part of the work. You did run well. And then he asked this, who did hinder you? What happened? What slowed you down? What stopped you? I'll promise you it was something unprofitable. Something took our eyes off of what matters. Something that's not going to matter one day in the whole scheme of eternity. And we took our eyes off of what mattered. And now we're focusing on that. And Paul says to the church at Galatia, you're not running well. I'm going to throw a couple of things at you real quickly. Number one, the easiest one could be sin. Is your potential in what you could do for the cause of Christ and what you could be as a part of the body of Christ here at Central Baptist Church, is all of your potential buried in some type of sin? That's the easy one tonight. The Bible says that he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. If we regard iniquity in our heart. Look, you don't hear sin preached about a whole lot anymore, do you? And you don't see the church accomplishing a whole much, do you, either? They're related. You see, if we don't deal with sin, our potential is there. And yes, we can do all that God has blessed us to do. We have all the power. He says he's given us all power. The potential is there. But I fear the reason we can't be a part of the work is because our potential is buried under the rubbish of our sin. Old David found that out the hard way. David, a man after God's own heart. 
David, a man who ran well. David, a man who God used to kill Goliath. I mean, oh my goodness, what a high watermark in the life of David. I killed one giant. I'd retire right there. You know, you're never going to get much better than that. Oh, God used David. But wait a minute, we find David on in the book of Psalms, crying out to God. What do we see David in the book of Psalms? We see him broken down. He's out of service. He's out of commission. Why? He says, because my sin. It was a sin with Bathsheba. All the potential that David had was still there, but the sin that he had involved himself in and looking and lusting upon Bathsheba and committing adultery and having her husband killed, his sin had buried his potential deep within the rubbish. I want to give you one maybe you're not even thinking about tonight. I wonder if it could be bitterness. You know, one of the number one reasons tonight that I find people that were engaged and they're no longer engaged, you would be amazed at how often it's because somebody hurt them. They were serving, they were busy working in the will of God, trying to find their purpose. They weren't perfect, but they were moving forward and they were a part of what God was doing. And all of a sudden, a human did what humans do. We hurt people. I know one, maybe two, I've already had to apologize to my wife once or twice today. Everybody just wake up in a grumpy mood. I had no reason. I told Brother Heath today, I said, I'm just in a bad mood. I don't know why I was in a bad mood. I had to apologize to my wife. My, that's what we do. We're, we're flesh. But why? Look over, if you will, chapter, if, go back to Ephesians chapter 4 real quickly. Ephesians chapter 4, I want to show you something. Our theme verse comes out of verse 16. Ephesians 4, 16, we know that. But watch in the very same chapter. Why do you think God mentions what he mentions in verse 31? Let all bitterness, wrath, wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. But why did he include that in the same chapter? This, this, listen, this chapter, he's talking about the body of Christ. And he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor be put away from you. What is he saying? Watch this. Separate your potential from what's unprofitable. And as long as our potential is buried in the bitterness from somebody hurting us, we're never going to see what God could have done with us. We'll never be reengaged. Folks, I hate to tell you, in the service of God, somebody's going to hurt you. I hate to say it. It may even be me. I don't intend to. But I'm human and I'm flesh. It's possible I could hurt you. But look, you've got to put that away. You've got to dig your potential out from underneath the rubbish of bitterness. Because after a while, that bitterness is going to pile up and you're going to miss out on being a part of what God could have done. So maybe it's sin. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's pride. Can I tell you what one of mine is? One of mine is oftentimes fear. Oh, I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be engaged. I want to go knock every door in Hattiesburg. I want to give a gospel tract to everybody in Hattiesburg. And then you set foot out of your car in the first neighborhood, and you see scary people. And by the way, there's some scary people in this town. You see scary dogs and scary people, and beware of booger monster signs. And you're like, i got to get back in my car. And all of a sudden, the potential that was there has been buried in the rubbish of fear. Can I tell you, that's what got, listen close, the unprofitable servant who had the one talent. Isn't that neat? What do we call him? We call him what the Bible calls him, the unprofitable servant. Why was he unprofitable? 
He was unprofitable because rather than take the talent that he had and used it at the command of his master, he buried it. And I'll tell you what he buried it in. He buried it in his fear. If you're not careful, all the potential of what you could have done for God is going to be buried under the rubbish heap of fear and you're going to miss out on what God could have done. One tonight, listen, if you're going to be used of God and you're going to be re-engaged, get back involved and be a part of what God wants to do in this church in 2020, you may just have to revive your potential out of the heap of something. Bitterness, fear, sin, pride. It may be your possessions. You might have to have a garage sale. Make a little money to pay off some of that debt where you have the freedom to serve God. Now, I want to ask you this. What's your rubbish tonight? What is your potential buried in? There's a wall there. There's an opportunity to be used of God, but it's buried in some type of rubbish, and your only hope to be re-engaged is to dig out from under that. Got to dig out. Can I tell you this before I give the second point? I was studying back there this afternoon thinking about sifting as the people. They've been sifting through the ashes and sifting through all the dust and sifting through all the dirt. And they'd pull out a stone and they'd take it over here and they'd put it back in its place. And they'd go back to the rubbish, the pile of dirt and ash and sand. They'd pick through it and they'd pull out a stone. They'd take it back over here and they'd put it over in the wall. I don't know how big they were, but we're pretty clear that's exactly what they did. Can I tell you what you're going to do one day, whether it's here or whether it's up there? You're going to sift through the ashes. You know, our Bible tells us that. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 13, the Bible says that our works are going to be tried with fire. Some works are going to be burned up. You know what those are called? Unprofitable. But the works that we did for the right mold or for the cause of Christ, the Bible says those will remain. So here's the question that we've got to ask tonight. When do we want to do the sifting? You know, why don't we do the sifting down here and separate our potential from what's unprofitable down here? That way when we get to heaven, there's not a whole lot of ashes to sift through. But if we're not careful, we're going to put all of our eggs in the basket of this world and set our affections on things down here below. We stand before God, all of us will be burned up, and all we're going to have is a quarter to flick at the feet of Jesus. Because we didn't do much, because we never took the time to sift through what is profitable and pull out from the unprofitable. So number one, we have to revive our potential from the rubbish. Now real quickly, the second thing tonight, I'll give you this, and then we've got a baptism here in just a moment. Look at chapter 3. Chapter number 3, we see this word mentioned 27 times. Look at verse 4. Next unto them repaired Merimoth. The Bible says, and next unto them repaired Meshulam. The bottom of that verse says, and next unto them repaired Zadok. Verse 5, and next one of them, the Tekoites repaired. And you keep reading on and on and on. 27 times we see the word repair. Now watch the difference. Reviving the stones out of the rubbish means we take what is good and separate it from what, what is not good, what matters from what doesn't matter. But the word repair really deals with a restoration. And this is important. Number two tonight, in order to be reengaged to make increase, you may have to repair what needs to be restored. Repair what needs to be restored. You say, what do you mean? Well, look, in this wall, there were some pieces that were usable, but they had to be put back in working order. Okay, I'm going to say that again because you need to remember that. There were some pieces that could be reused, but they had to be put back into working order. They could be used, but not as is. This is very important. In 2020, I'm doing so good. I haven't said 2019 yet as far as I know. 
Doesn't that make you feel good? Anybody wrote it 2019 yet? Have you wrote it? Yeah, that's bad. I haven't, I haven't said it, but I have written it. In 2020, we are told to accept things as they are. Don't preach against sin. Don't preach God's standard. Don't preach God's order. Just accept people exactly the way that they are. Now, folks, look, I believe you come to God as you are, just as I am, without one plea. I'm thankful that God accepts us just as we are when we come to him. But when we leave from him, he expects there to be a difference. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he says all things become new when we go away from Christ after we've accepted him. But in 2020, we are told, accept things as is. Hey, it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter if you're faithful or not faithful, if you're obedient or not obedient. Hey, just accept me as is. Now, that may work in the world, but I hate to tell you it doesn't work with God. You want to be a part of what God's doing? You want to be a part of the work of God? You want to be engaged in what God could do and use your full potential? Understand, things have to be done according to God's order. By the way, God still believes in order. Can I tell you why? The first reason I believe tonight why so many Christians who were engaged and they're no longer engaged, it's because they did not separate the profitable from the unprofitable. But the second reason tonight is simply this. Things in their life got out of order. Okay? Not to say they're all bad things. All right? Do you know that a good thing out of order can become a bad thing? I'll give you a good example. David, when David wanted to bring the ark of God back up to Jerusalem, the Bible says that he put the ark of God on the cart. You know the story. He followed the example of the Philistines. Be careful learning from the Philistines. He puts the ark of God on the, on the cart, begins bringing it up. The cart, the oxen stumbled. Uzzah goes to steady the ark, and God's anger was kindled, and he struck Uzzah dead. What did God say? He said, you sought it not after the due order. Now, God didn't say, David, look, you shouldn't have wanted to bring the ark of God. No, I believe David had great intentions. But great intentions that are done out of order can become wrong. And I believe in our life, the reason we're disengaged from the work of God is because, number one, we haven't separated the profitable from unprofitable. But number two is that our lives are not in the order for which God has prescribed. He says, I need you to repair that. I need you to work on that. I believe tonight, if we're going to be reengaged, there's some things in our life that simply need to be repaired. I'm not saying they're bad things, but they're out of order. They're out of order. Look, there's too many scriptures in the Word of God that show us that God demands order. Now, I know we don't like that word demands, and I'm not going to make demands of you, but I want to tell you look, God still makes demands in His Word. Matthew 6.33, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Can I ask you what the word first is? It's an order word. Order me, first means first in line. That's the order of which he should come. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. Can I tell you in a condensed version what all these things shall be added means? It'll work out. It'll work out. You put God first, get him in his rightful place, it's going to work out. But buddy, oh buddy... Try the different order. Why don't you put all of these things first and put God last and come back and let me know how that works out for you. It's not going to work. One of the first questions I ask people when their life is falling apart and they can't seem to take care of this, take care of that, I find out where God is at in the order of their life. Now in order for us to be used of God, understand there are some things that have to be repaired. What does that mean? Put back in working order. I'll promise you, You get things in the order that God has prescribed them to be. Watch God honor that and bless that. 
By the way, that's how America got to become the America that we used to know. God was in his proper order. I'll tell you when my home works best, when I take the order that God's given me for the husband and the dad, and I just do what he says. My wife takes the orders from what God says for the wife and the mom, and my daughter takes her orders. It just works harmoniously. But oh, buddy, 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 when I fail to lead, which is prescribed by God, or she fails to honor her husband and submit to her husband, as the Bible says, things get all the cattywampus, the next thing you know, buddy, we're just about that close. And she has a mean right hook, let me tell you. She looks nice, and she can sing pretty and all that, but never make her mad. What happens? Say, God, this thing ain't working. I'll tell you why it ain't working. Because we're out of order. Out of order. You want it to work right? Things have got to be in the right order. And the Bible says, here's what they did. There were some pieces there that were usable. They were just need to be made in working order. And if we want God to work in our church, we've got to make sure individually in our hearts that things are in the right order with God. In our homes, things are in the right order with God. And then collectively with the church, let's keep God where he belongs. All right? We're not here to entertain people. We're here to uplift and glorify the name of God. We're here to put him first. Look, if folks don't like it, I'm sorry. Look, I really do hate to lose anybody, but I'm not going to get things out of order to gain people because then you lose the blessings and the power of God. And then what on earth are we doing here? What are we doing here? We're just another one of them clubs that calls itself a church. So if we want this thing to work, it's got to be in working order, and that order was prescribed by God. So think about that tonight. Number two, we may have to repair what needs to be restored. You want things to work, they have to be according to God's order. Matthew 5, I could, good night, we stretched out two points, didn't we? Matthew chapter 5, we could go on and on. And the Bible tells you that there's an order as far as your relationships with others. What is Matthew 5 talking about? Verse 22, verse 23. The Bible's talking about you and your service to God if something's not right with you and another brother. The Bible says, stop. Leave your gift. Stop right there. He says, don't even commence to move forward in your service. Go reconcile things with your brother. What does that mean? Repair. Repair. He says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You want me to bless your work? You want me to work in this place? Stop right there. Go make some repairs and then come back and then I'll receive you. Now, folks, tonight I believe there's some repairs that we need to make in order to be reengaged in the work of God. And I hope that we decide to make those repairs before it's too late. Repairs with God, repairs with others, repairs in our heart. I'll give you this and I'm done. My refrigerator... I have a very, very musically harmonious refrigerator. It makes noise that I didn't know refrigerators could make. It makes one noise. I declare it sounds like a cap gun going off. It'll wake you up from bed. We just bought it two years ago. Bought the extended warranty. We bought it three years ago. Extended warranty. And at night, it makes this noise. I don't know how many times I've gone in the, in the living room with my pistol and confronted our refrigerator thinking somebody was in our house. You know, in the morning I'm sitting on the couch before daylight. I'm studying, and all of a sudden it starts making this whizzing noise. I'm going in there, and I'm pulling out the ice maker, and I'm setting it down and putting it on there and sticking my head. And if my wife would have walked in there that early in the morning, she'd have thought her husband has lost his mind even more than she already knows I've lost my mind. He's making these noises and growling and all of this, and it's been doing it for two years. When I looked at the paperwork and. 
realized that I had waited to get tired of the noise a little bit too late. I bought that extended warranty, but waited too late to make the repairs. And now you would not believe what they want to charge you to fix a refrigerator that sings and makes noise. Anybody interested in a refrigerator that sings and makes noise? You know, I got you a good one. Man, I thought to myself, man, 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 man. Just a few months ago, I knew the repairs needed to be made. I didn't make the repairs. It would have been so cheap to make those repairs, and it would have been running just fine. But I waited until that extended warranty till expired, and now those repairs are going to be costly. Can I tell you something tonight? If there's some repairs you need to make, I want to encourage you to make them sooner than later. You say, well, man, it's going to cost me a lot now. It'll cost you a whole lot more later. Well, I got to swallow my pride to get that right with them. I promise you, you better swallow your pride than lose your potential to be a use of God in this church in the new year. So tonight, being engaged may simply boil down to this. God wants you to revive your potential out of the rubbish. Here's the question. What's the rubbish? What's burying your potential? Why can't you be a part of what God's doing? What is burying you? Is it pride? Is it bitterness? Is it fear? Is it sin? What is it tonight that's buried your potential from being a part of what God wants to do? And then number two tonight, maybe there's some repairs that need to be made. Doesn't mean your life is totally out of whack and everything's wrong. Just things are out of order. And God says, return things to their working order. And then, oh, what do we see what happened in Nehemiah? 52 days, God did a great work. Why? They revived the potential out of the rubbish, and they repaired what needed to be restored. Let's clean some things out tonight. Let's repair some things tonight, and then let's watch God do what only God could do at our church in the coming year. Amen? Let's have